Okay. Okay. So, Genesis. We will be in Genesis. And last week, you guys talked about day one. In the beginning, Yes. And the earth was without form and void. Yes. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered on the Over face the of the waters. waters, right? So imagine that earth. What is it? It is nothing. a ball. It's not a ball because it's nothing. Formless. Okay. It has water. Right. And it has darkness. And it has a face, so it's some shape. Okay. It has darkness. And void. And there's nothing. Right? Void is nothingness. So, from nothing, God creates something. Now, God created already that earth. Right? And so, when we see something, and oftentimes we will see this um, suggested in the language that God creates, and then God builds upon this. Do you think God could have created the whole thing, planet and everything, all at once? Yes. He could. Right. He can do anything. He could do anything, right? If he could make a planet and he could make the animals, he could just go poof and it was there. So think about that a little bit. There's something about God that... He enjoys a piece of this. He enjoys creating, right? And how do I know that? Why would I say that? Think about humans. We're created in his image, right? And many, many humans, most humans in fact, have something that they like to create. Whether it's something small, like a trinket they like to create, build, craft. Something large, I want to build a building, I want to build a bridge, I want to build a big thing. Or I want to build a robot. Or I want to build an idea, right? That's a mathematician or a scientist, right? They want to create a do we need to move the spiders? <laughs> or can we handle that it's yeah. around? Okay. All right. So, people create ideas, concepts. They like to be creative. And oftentimes, people spend their entire lives just creating. Right? They like to build things, create things, create cures for things, find out. And they are... They're Builders at nature, and I don't mean that in just a way of building a building, right? But they are they are builders and creators at nature, and so that's a part of God's nature, and we see it, and we know that God is willing and and interested in making a process, and so we find He starts with something that is void and and without shape. Okay, it doesn't have defined things. And then we know the creation story, right? He goes through, and in how many days? Seven. All right, 
Mm-hmm. Well, six. Well, six. Mm-hmm. But the Sunday he rested. Sunday. Okay, so on that last day, and we will talk about this as time goes on, uh, right? He makes the Sabbath day a day of rest. Does God need to rest? Mm, but he wants to. Is he tired? No. 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 For us. Humans but humans are tired, very tired sometimes. But he he finds value in many things, right? So God creates these things because God finds value. Alright? He finds value in this process. Somehow. Some way. The creator of the universe, and we're going to look at some of the things he did, and we're going to throw one question out there, which seems to plague many people in mankind, and people have very different ideas about it. We're going to dig in a little bit and see what you think. Maybe at the beginning, maybe at the end. Okay. In all of this, did God create... Aliens. Maybe. Oh, are we doing the, the verse um, that talked about the sons of God that came down? We are going to talk about those in future things. Um, But we're going to talk about the idea of God creating aliens tonight. We have a couple of future uh, series we laid it out and those some of those verses are in there. Uh, I think they call them the Nephilim, the giants. Okay, We're going to talk about some of those things. Where and what. Now, some of these things don't have a lot there's not like a verse in there that says, and God created aliens. What is an alien? Anything extraterrestrial. So, if you're defining anything extraterrestrial, ET, right? Phone home, right? Uh, yeah, all right. That means anything out of this Earth. Now, how are you defining this Earth? Terrestrial. Yeah. Physical. Physical and like barrier or whatever of air. Okay, so if we're talking the physical Earth with bound by space and time, right? Or I feel like anything like unfamiliar. Like Like the term alien. The term alien essentially just means that it's different, right? Because you can be an alien from another country and you're just not native to this country. So are there creatures out there that are alien to Earth? Yes. Maybe. Yes. Now, are there Martians like we many times have talked about? That's one thing we want to talk about a little bit, okay? We're going to look at a few days of creation, and you're going to see some of the things that the Bible says about God's creation, particularly space, but we're looking at creation of space, and we're looking at the next few days between day one, when we talked about light. Now, what did God create on the very first day? The earth and the heavens. The heaven and the earth, it says. 
okay, the heaven and the earth, and on the earth, we said it was without form and void. And he created something else on the first day. Light. Did he create the sun on the first day? No. No, we don't know. So what did he create? Something. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it in the literal light and darkness, or the idea of light and dark, meaning like truth and like or how we separated the light and the dark. It was like the truth versus evil, or like. Right, because if he created the heavens and the earth, the heavens is like the light, and the earth could be dark. And we know the planet was dark, and we know something else. If you read that, is there physical light? You've got to read that verse. A couple of verses there. Verse 2, 3, 4, somewhere in there. What does it say? Yeah. Oh, we call the light day. Okay, you look called the light day. Did it say that he saw light? Yes. Oh, God saw light. God saw light. Okay, so. Okay, so. He created light, definitely in its concept, right? Because before then, the concept of light didn't exist. Right? And light is the absence of dark, and dark is the absence of light. Right? So dark started. He created light and says, this is a good thing. Does the light, now here's a great thing, and a thing that you said, maybe he's the light. Right? Light exists at that point. Light didn't even exist. He existed. We talked about in Revelation how the, the sun wasn't like important. It just wasn't there because he Absolutely, right? And you saw that and you see he's the light. So did he become the light that day? Maybe. We don't know. Right? And we know that when Jesus came, he says, I'm the light of the world. So yes, in the concept of idea of light, and yes, in a physical light, because God saw the light and says, that's good. All right? Now, let's move on in our days of creation. He also created, before he even gets to, oh, let's start with... Let's start with Genesis 1, uh, verse number 6. This is the second day, so we're going to read 6 through 8, please. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called, God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Okay, so on the second day, he creates a firmament. And he divides water from waters. Land? But it says it was heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but it says it was heaven. Right? So we're thinking 
we're thinking like God creates. I'm sorry, I got a piece of hair in my mouth. God creates, right? We're we're thinking, oh, here's this all this water, okay? And then God has land on it and spreads them this way. What if he spread them this way? Because he said of the waters that were which were above the firmament. Above. Because because the earth is round. So so there is. What if you thought of the firmament? What's above us? Sky. Is there water above us? No. Mm -mm. Sure is. Air. There's a boat in there, right? And and all the way up until. Until. Wait, are we? Isn't there like another? What is there up there? Uh, uh, there's a, one of those continents. No, no, no. No matter where I'm standing on Earth, there's water. Straight above me is something. Not atmosphere. north and south. Atmosphere. Oh, that's what it was called. That was like the, <laughs> the, the thing, right? The thing so, what's the in the atmosphere? There are many, there are layers, right? Right. Stratosphere, gases, and all sorts of different things, right? But isn't there moisture? Yes. Yes, there's moisture. And what in this one piece of the way to look at this is. What happens when he separates water on earth from water up here? What does he create? Rain. Well, not rain yet. Not rain, but he creates what? Really important cycle. The water cycle. The water cycle. Oh. <laughs> right? So you have clouds, but what you don't have rain. is rain. Not for a long time. You have dew. And dew, oh, yes. right? Dew. dew comes from the sky. Up in the sky, right? And it condenses. Now, so does rain. But rain came about and condensed in the clouds, okay? And then had a rainstorm. Now, God created this originally to never have rain. Who would like to never have a rainy day, but every single morning wake up and the earth is already nice and moist and it's never dry? That's right how God made it, right? And then mankind messed it all up again, right? And God did some major cataclysmic things, which we will see changes. Cataclysmic? Cataclysmic. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you may hear it again, this. So he created these very large, very world-changing, cataclysmic, okay, world-changing uh, events that changed the many things in that. And we will touch on these things as we look on it. And what is one huge major event that you know of? Flood. The flood. The flood, is water light or heavy? Heavy. Heavy, heavy right? And so if you put the world, its mass of water, up on the surface of the world, which is the way it started, <clears throat> because all the water was up there, right? And then God divided, and we also know, and science has confirmed, we believe there are huge, huge portions of water and caverns of water, not just so shortly below our feet, but way down in the core of the earth. And when God 
made the flood happen, how long did it rain? Oh. 40 days and 40 nights. And that must have been a torrential rain. But that's not enough mm -hmm. to flood the earth. Didn't it say it like, opened up the water from the deep? It opened up the fountains of the deep. Well, where did they come from? Well, God originally kind of squished them all in, separated it, created the outer atmosphere, heavens beyond, okay, separated our planet and created a bubble for a better for lack of a better term for us to have life here so like a tsunami and it uh, like cracks open and sucks everything in so something like so where's all that go right it sucks it all into some big deep crack kind of just like made a hole there is water inside and whatever happened within the insides of the earth when it rained it didn't just rain nice and quiet it rained and all of a sudden I, the it says they opened the fountains of the deep which means it probably had earthquakes across the world shook things cracked things cracked things and out came this water just rising levels a clue with also with on top of it the rain okay so filling above the tops of the mountains, which originally the earth was covered in water. It says it right there, right? No land. No land to begin with. And God creates this atmosphere because he's creating the steps for life. He's got a purpose in this whole thing. He's creating the steps for life. And so he says, in order for things to live, they need light. Yes. Right? Don't living things need light? Yes. Even if you could be shut up in the dark, they found people that got accidentally or lost in a cave. It does not take long before those people lose their mind. Total darkness, and it plays crazy tricks on you. Have any of you ever been inside of a cave where they shut the lights off completely? You have. I have, multiple times. It is, you swear that you're gonna be able to take your hand and put it in front of your face and see something. And you keep getting closer thinking, well my eyes must adjust to this or something. They don't. There's complete absence of light in the depth of caves. I've been in several different ones. I was in Jewel Cave in South Dakota. I was in Lewis and Clark Cave in Montana. I was in Mammoth Caves in Kentucky. And we were on an almost private tour of just my wife and I and the tour guide because it was December 8th, which was a great day, by the way. So, right. <laughs> And we went there, and no one else wanted to be in Mammoth Caves in Kentucky on December 8th. So we lined up. The guys said, line up. You lined up. Just me and you. We're going, on, we're going on a tour. So we had a private tour. It was a tour guide that had been there for 30 years, and it was his last week. So he showed us places that he says, I don't know have time to do this, because there's usually 40 people in this tour. But there isn't. So he shut the lights off which I'd seen before, and I knew, and you don't know where anybody is, you have no reference for anything. And that's the great interesting thing about light. When God creates light, it brings reference and truth, like you said. 
right? There's reference. I can see what's really happening. If you live totally in darkness all the time, you had no, would have no idea what other people look like, are doing, where they're coming towards you. You don't know whether uh, there's a polar bear sitting next to you, or what snow looks like, or what anything looks like. So God is building in the building blocks of life. Because God is the original scientist, and by that I don't mean he studies it, but he has all the knowledge, right? Scientist is one, uh, basically the word science means knowledge, right? So he's got all of it already. He knows what he's doing and creating the laws, and he sets in place these laws. And so the water cycle is important, and the light. But not just light all the time. Plants need what? Water. Water. Light. Light. Darkness. And darkness. Mm -hmm. How do they make a, a um, what do you call it, uh, the, the, the red flowers at Christmas time? Poinsettia. Poinsettia. How do you make them bloom at Christmas? You put them in the dark. For a certain amount of time? Yeah, and then you take them out. And you take them out for a certain amount of time of light because you're programming them to bloom like crazy. And they bloom, not in the dark, but they prepare to bloom and they go in cycles of light and dark and cycles of light and dark. And it's true because God created all those plants to work that way. He created seasons and he created all sorts of parts of a plant that make that work. And so their seasons come in, and every year, most plants go through a season, all four seasons in the year, and they have a stage in each season, right? Flowering, usually it's some sort of barren stage, and then a flowering stage, which is like a rest stage, and a flowering stage, and then a fruit growing stage, and then a harvesting stage, okay? And that's true about most everything. And the fruit might be just their seeds, right? To perpetuate more flowers, trees, shrubs. But, or it might be the fruit that we eat or a nut that we eat, okay? But God created all those and set in place those things. There's a lot of knowledge that went into all that to understand that. Okay, so we went up through that and we see that he creates the firmament. Now, verse number... 9 and 10, please. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto, unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. Okay, so now we know, not only separated this way, now he separates it this way. And so how does he separate it? Well, either the land grows, or the earth cracks, or both. And how do we know that that happens? What do we know about the earth? Oh, What's underneath? Layers. Layers. Plates. There you go, tectonic plates. And what happens? These big plates go boom together, right? And there are places where they lift up. And there is a void where they go and open by. learned about that. 
Good. Right. And diversion. Yes. Yes. And sometimes they go up and over, right? And sometimes they go like this, and sometimes they go like this, right? And I don't know the fancy terms. I'm glad you know them. Okay. But either way, you create valleys, huge rifts. What's in the middle of the ocean? A rift. Great big open cavern. Maybe just maybe. At some point. As God moved the plates, the water went and filled some of the earth inside. Maybe he opened up cracks. And I don't mean half-inch cracks, okay? But he creates the land. And then when he creates the land, we believe and know if you were to take all the land masses in the world, they sort of fit together. What's it called? Pangea. Pangea. Okay. So uh, this is, you know, this is a precise representation of North and South America, right? And then Europe kind of fits in there, and Africa fits in there, and the Horn, you know. And you look at it, and and then what? Africa's like this, and uh, Australia fits in there, and Asia, and they. And the South Sea Islands and all those, it appears like they could have been one planet. If you were to look up Pangea, you could look up all of the guesses about where they fit. As you look it up, there it is. So God separates out, and there's nothing that says that there wasn't one big landmass, just like they said. But we also know that the tectonic plates of the Earth move. We have evidence of it happening today. Just because it happens today at one rate, does that mean it always happened at that rate? No. No. So what could happen to change those rates? A couple things. Mm. What? Earthquakes, okay? Or some sort of temperature. Cataclysmic event, right? Hey, there's a kids. So some sort of large event. We'll call it an earthquake or some sort of rumble, right? Some sort of big rumble. And where does that happen? Why does that happen? Pent up energy. Something moves. Potential energy. Potential energy, yes. Heat, magma, uh, volcanoes. We see that. I mean, we know there is huge pent up energy in a volcano, right? Because what happens when it explodes? It, I mean, it's everywhere. There's stuff that covers, they say that it covers a huge uh, portion of the earth when one volcano of a good size blows up. And there are many across the earth. Pompeii. Right. So you, they find evidence of ash and things landing. Now, also, so, you know, there could be one event like that that could do major changes. And also... There could be that God could just say, I want to do that. Or we do seem to see God using his own creation so many times. So maybe he created things in such a way that he said, that's going to blow up right now. Boom! And up it blows. 
okay? And things begin to move. The tectonic plates begin to move. Huge upshifts, huge things change. And so you may have had big amounts of change that happened at some point. And right now, there may be other forces that have slowed down. And so our movements, though we have tectonic plate movements today, you can find there are places in the ocean today that magma is coming out as, as it separates out. Hot molten lava under the water. Right? Rock. Yep, and they create these, these rock formations as they cool right under the water, right? So if it's moving like that and you can physically watch it, somewhere else it's going together. So there is evidence of moving. So uh, I think it's very consistent, though it does not say that he made one landmass, but he made the land, right? And it's very consistent with the Bible to say, yeah, he created this. We also think it makes sense because when God creates animals, how many does he make? A whole bunch. Well, I don't know. Isn't there, wasn't there like a, a study, but like a theory that he made like specific animals that had genes where it could, they could like breed off into different other animals? So, let's talk about genes for a moment. Yeah. God begins. Like the recessive genes and stuff like that? Yeah, so God begins with. Think about not like a gene like a chihuahua has a gene today, right? So does a Great Dane. And there is evidence, right, that they both come from the same. Right. But you're not going to breed back into a Great Dane, right? So what's happened to the genes of the original parents? Morphing and like... Conditioning to the needs? Well, I don't know. how about this? They pass on only a certain amount of information. Right? They don't pass on all their information necessarily, or if they pass on their information, certain things show up, and so you get, you get this gene, and maybe this. This creature's gene, whether it's a dog or a tree or whatever, right? And this creature's genes, they've got, they've got, I'm not saying more chromosomes, but the information inside is full of all sorts of different things. Parent, what, what half? Which half, right? Like, right. And if it was the same, like all your kids would look the same and all. Right, right. Would look the same. And so you get limited information from them. So as time goes on, you still have the same number of genes as your parents, right? That many times defines a species. But your genes, it seems like possibly over time, maybe aren't as strong or as broad of a gene in the beginning, okay? They kind of get more and more and more specific. So the chihuahua that was bred from a dog way back when, kind of works its way down, down, down to a chihuahua, and I can't say, uh, no, I really don't want a chihuahua anymore. I am gonna breed this chihuahua back into a great thing. <laughs> How can you do it? Can't. 
Well, you could breed it with a Great Dane, maybe, right? And then you're gonna sort of get like some characteristics of both, but you're never gonna get the full characteristics. Right, because it's not purebred. Right. So even purebred, what was the original pure breed of a dog had the variety of genes where they could pass down, hey, you could be anything in this range from this parent, or you could be anything in this range. So maybe one parent had a lot of genes within it, and, and so did the other parent, and you put those together, and there are billions and billions and billions of combinations. And we, over time, breed them, breed them, breed them to get something. Is that better? Are pure breeds better? It. Are they healthier? Yes. Maybe. Depends. <laughs> How long do pure breeds live? They live. They don't live as long, and there's like a lot of like health complications because. Depending on the breed. Depending, right? So like, with great games, you can't like breed like a white one with another white one, or a white one with a harlequin because of like the effects that they. There, right. There tends to be a weakness in the genes. And we find that out. We say, oh, I can't do this and this because we breeded this and this together and they always have hip dysplasia or they always have this. or they're, So they've gotten to a point in a breed where they know where the strong genes still are, but some of those become... I'll call them weak genes, but they're a tendency towards some weakness or health, not healthy thing, okay? So that loses some of its strength, I'll call it. But if God creates the perfect two beasts to begin with, then there are so many combinations, right? And those first two breed and have a puppy litter of 20, who knows, right? And they look different. And I know that's still possible because I have, I had a puppy that came from a mutt that was a mother, her, their mother was just a mutt. And that mutt had several different genes because she had seven puppies, I think. None of them looked alike. None of their markings, none of their head shapes, none of them. They all look different. So there's, there's the ability with a broader set of genes, a broader set of options that you can grow. If you get recessive and recessive genes, you get very specific, right? You tend to, but if you get a dominant gene and a recessive gene, you might get this. You might get, because within that dominant, there may be a dominant and a recessive that showed up. And so that dominant and recessive parent gave a recessive gene and a recessive gene to this kid, and a dominant key one and a recessive gene to this kid, and you got two totally different kids, right? So there's more variety. So think about understanding that within God's creation of all creatures, all right? So we're thinking back when, when God created, he said, that's good. And he created kinds of animals, kinds of trees, kinds of things. All right, so 
When he does that, he gathers the water together. We're on the third day. And what does he do in verse uh, 11, 12, and 13, please? God said, let the earth bring forth grass, but earth yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielded fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third. So, he creates dry land and seeds, and he creates plants. And each type of plant is after their own kind. They can breed with their own kind. So plants breed, right? Right. Plants breed by the bees pollinate and mix up, you know, this plant with that plant, or the wind pollinates things, okay? Any way they can move, they, plants don't move, right? Not too much, anyways. Uh, but they can't move to get together, but God created a system in which they can move and they can cross-pollinate and they can create more variety, but those within each kind, and this is important, God creates a kind, and the kind has, we'll call it the super gene, okay? It's not that it's any, it's just it's all of the combinations exist in the first two. So does God create ten? Maybe. Does God create thousands? Maybe. We don't really know. God creates many, but we also know that God can bring back the population of animals from two. Right? right? He did do it the first time. Or the second time that, that he brought them back, uh, he brought them from two. So does he create ten different dogs? Maybe. And each one with a unique set of genes. And as they breed, there are hundreds of combinations, but within their kind, they stay. And the trees, the same way. You can only breed certain types of trees from other trees. Okay? You can create hybrids in corn. Right? And everybody likes sweet corn that's super sweet. Bodacious. That was a good flavor. I really like silver queen, though. One of my tops. Okay, it's white, silvery white, the whole corn. Just don't put it next to a cornfield. No, because they will cross-pollinate, and it tastes terrible. It does. Because that cow corn probably has dominant genes that says, I'm strong. Give the dominant genes to the I'm nice and sweet, and you get the I'm strong, and I taste terrible corn, right? You ever had cow corn? It's awful. I've had corn that I think was cow corn. People sold as sweet corn. It was awful. Okay? It is within that ability, and God creates that. All right. So, he's created plants now because plants are the building block for all other species. Right? And they need plants to live. So, I think he did create the world to grow and he planted the world. Now maybe there were spaces where he gave for things to grow and things to, to change and keep going. Think about this, when he created it, what's missing that we have in this world today? 
when he was all done with creation? Deserts? Death. So think about the plan. You plant a tree. It's never die. It just keeps growing. So that's an amazing thing to think about. And someday, maybe you all will head to the Redwoods and see trees that have grown for multiple hundreds and even a few for thousands of years. They have trees. I've seen a cut across of a tree that was 3,000 years old. And there's World War II, and there's, you know, here's Napoleon, and there's uh, the fall of the Roman Empire, and there's where Jesus Christ was alive. And they counted the rings back through that. Uh, It's an interesting thing to see and know what the world would be like without death. Not plants, not trees that die, not animals that die. And so maybe there was a limited amount to begin with. No death. Just a perfect symbiosis of all plants that eat and cre- that give and create fruit and just keep growing. Give of themselves. Maybe you could cut off the tree and it keeps growing. The life is still in it, right? And keeps growing. Maybe you could take branches off. Maybe take the whole trunk down and it just keeps, keeps coming back. All right? Because it doesn't die. Death is part of the curse. So it's a different world, all right? Now... Let's get into uh, number four, and this is the interesting thing about number four. Uh, Verse number 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven, and divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. Okay, that was, did I say, to 19? No, to 19. Verse 18, please. And to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. All right, so we have light and darkness in, not that he created light, we talked about that, but what is he creating now? The sun. Sun, the stars, right? And the moon, the stars and the moon. Now. We're starting to get outside of this world. Were we there before? Yes. When? When the earth was just there. There wasn't anything. So We're, void. Okay, it was without form of the void, but what did he create the first day? Heaven and the earth. Okay. So Heaven was like, it's like in this verse, it was like singular, so like talking about heaven is like, Space. Okay, so we'll at least call heaven outside of earth. How's that? Yeah. Is it is it this physical 
outside of Earth? Is it other dimensional also? Maybe yes, maybe both. But the separation was the firmament, which he also called heaven. Why do you call it heaven? Well, really, it's the separation between the heavens, as we call them, out of, around the earth, right? And some of those heavens I can get in a spaceship if I want to. Maybe, and I had enough money, right? <laughs> and someone let me. I could get and, and go there. How far can I go? It would take a long time. It would take a long time, right? So, so how far in my lifetime? If I lived 500 years, how far could I go? Well, if you travel at light speed. If I travel at light speed, which I can't, but if I could. I don't know the math. Right, 500 light years I could travel if I started when I was a baby. <laughs> right? Like Megamind? Right. <laughs> right, so if I started when I was a baby and travel at light speed, I could get out towards the outer parts of this universe. This solar system. Within this solar system. And there are, beyond this solar system, many, many solar systems of which we see with our eyes light that has traveled from those solar systems here across this galaxy are there other galaxies probably maybe there are scientists who say yes that's part of another galaxy okay we live in the galaxy of the milky way mm -hmm. so they say yes there's other galaxies beyond that okay <laughs> yes in a galaxy far far away yes yeah, star wars says it too right so there let's say this the heavens that we're going to call the heavens they are vast can we say that? Yeah, we can. Big. That's big, right? I can't go there in my whole lifetime with any amount of technology that, that I have that all of mankind thus far has created. I can't get there. But I can see them. I'm not saying we never can get there. Will people land on Mars and live on Mars? I don't know. Maybe. Do you want to? I don't know. Maybe not. I, A lot of people I, do. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, right. So, God created this vast place. So, now, did it say that he created the stars on that day? The stars also. Yes. Okay, did he, so he created the stars also on that very day. And the lesser light to rule the night. All right, so he made the two lights, which is our star, the sun, which is a small star. Okay, and many other stars, which are bigger. Or other big sun stars in different galaxies. Other big sun stars in different galaxies, all right? So the possibilities are endless out there. Could there be another planet like Earth? Yes. No. Maybe. <laughs> all right. That was all three answers. I don't know what you think, right? <laughs> Because 
there can be conditions, but that doesn't mean that it's or a whole other dimension. True. They're true. Of a whole other dimensions of beings, and like, we do know. And we will talk more about those beings as we start to dig through some of this in the next few weeks. Those beings include heavenly type beings, which we would call an angel. Okay. Now let's let's look at a couple of things here. Uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter forty-eight. Now that we've kind of covered gotten to the universe and he's created not only the heavens in the beginning, so maybe that includes the planets and the expanses, maybe the black holes, maybe things like that. And then we have this time where he creates light. And the purpose of light was what? To separate from the dark. Separate from the dark. It showed us purity. It gave us, remember when we reference, reference right? Yeah. I better write that down because that was that was a good thing to write down. It gave us reference and it showed us truth, right? right. We can say, you're really sitting there. I can see you. I can see you. I can see you. Okay. Isaiah chapter 48, verse number 11, 12, and 13. No, I think Isaiah 48, oh. verse 11. For my, oh, for my own sake, even for my own sake, will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. My hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. Okay? So, God is saying this. He's talking about something he's going to do in Israel. Okay? And he's saying it. Why is he going to do it? That was in verse 11. For his own sake. For what? He doesn't What's he doesn't want to share his glory. So God can do things for the glory of God. That's kind of a hard thing to think about for a minute, right? What's that? He creates things that are beautiful. Why does he create things that are beautiful? Because he wants to. And what's he creating it for? Us? His own Well? Or his to admire Okay. Do you think it's a selfish thing that God's doing? No. No? So there's we know God's not selfish. Right. So there must be another motive to give what he creates is so spectacular, and you say, wow, 
God is amazing. That's giving God the glory. Okay? To say, that's, that's amazing. So what's he really doing? Well, he's teaching what he is by creating, by giving glory to himself. He's giving reference and truth when he gives God the glory. So he creates things. And as an example, he said in verse 13, Mine hand hath also laid the foundation of the earth. In other words, I don't answer to you. I was there. You weren't there. When I created the earth, I did it with my hand. How big is God's hand? Mm-hmm. Well, big enough to make the earth, right? <laughs> right? I mean, and size doesn't matter to him. So he's not bound by space and time, right? So he can create anything of any size, <clears throat> think it into existence, but he chooses to use some sort of physical creation. Now, is he there forming things? I don't know. But it says he used my hand, I laid it. I did it. And my right hand, I spanned the heavens. Now that is, the first one was he was using a building term, right? Lading a foundation, right? So he says, what hangs the, what is, where does the earth hang? Floats in space. I don't know, right? Is it full of mass? Sure, it's really heavy. Can anybody lift it? Nope. But it floats in space. And he made it pin to that orbit, creating the heavens by saying there is gravity on each planet that holds things together. There is a pathway that it takes. And as it takes it around, he created it where those two bodies will work in orbit of one another. Okay? And so he creates that being, that into being, all those rules and laws that says, you will do this until I say you don't anymore. And so he spins it into existence. And he also uses another building term when he says, because he's remember, he's a creative God. He used another building term. I have spanned the universe with my right hand. From one end to another end. Okay. So, yes, span by that. And yes, you could measure it. But think about this. Now, there's a very old way of thinking of things. And maybe you've heard of this before. How do you measure a horse? In hands. In hands. Okay. And so, you... Right? Lay your hands. The original measurement was not a measuring stick. He's not 107 inches tall. But he's not that, right? He's so many hands high. And why does that happen? Well, because the average man's hand is similar in size. All right? And before you have a stick that says this is so many inches because nobody agreed on that, you just say, okay, we can agree our hands are close. Let's do this. Right? That's a form of measurement. Well, building in things, the old carpenters used two different forms very commonly. A cubit. Oh, from elbow to your tip of your That's like around 18 inches. And a span. Yeah. 
right? And so if you're spanning, mine is nine inches. Okay. Uh, and I have many times not had a tape measure with me and I've gone, that's 18 inches wide. And it's pretty close. Now God, and building something, you're saying, well, this is pretty close, I've got to do this. God can span the universe. In other words, I measured it with my hand as I built it. It was so many. I spanned oh, the universe. I thought about like this was his hand. Right, and that's what it sounds like. But really, I think this is a building term because the first part of the verse is I laid the foundation, and the second part of the verse is I spanned it. So in other words, I went, mm, mm, mm. I spanned the universe, and I created it. I I measured it. I put it into place where it was. And why did I do it? For my own sake. For my glory. Because I am revealing who I am. That's something to think about and log in your head as we look at, is there other life somewhere? It may not 100% answer the question, but let's look at another verse as well. Uh, where did I lose it here? It was... Psalm number eight. Yeah, not too far back. Psalm number eight. Okay, Psalm number eight, and we're going to read that. There isn't too many verses, but let's read the whole thing because it is uh, very interesting. Looking at why God does this and trying to pick up some things about God creating. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still that the mighty is still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon of the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Okay, so that's the Psalm number eight. It talks about God, he can, he can bring truth through a little baby. Okay, it's not power that he requires. In fact, he created big, powerful things, right? What did he create? He says, thy, the works of thy fingers, right? There we go again with the hands, like, right? I'm, I'm creating the heavens the moon, the stars, okay? I created all of the universe as we know it. And 
I created all the galaxies within the universe and the stars and have ordained them, or I made it so. Okay? And yet, I created this little man who, in the scheme of the galaxies, is nobody. Our size is not large. We cannot fly to the end of our own galaxy, much less the galaxies beyond. We created, he created little, little tiny nobodies, humans on this earth. If we don't have oxygen for a few minutes, we die. If we don't have food for a few days, we die. If we don't have water for a day or two, we die. I and mean, we're pretty weak, right? If one wooden spear shoves through our heart, we die. Doesn't take much. We can get smacked up and beat up in this physical world. We are not powerful. We're pretty weak as far as creatures go. But, he said, we have God made us just a little lower than the angels. But we gave, he gave us authority as little weak creatures. And what did he give us authority over? Mm, yeah. The whole, all it talks about all the different things within his creation that he gave us authority over. Okay, sheep and oxen, beasts of the field, fowls of the air, fish of the sea, anything that passes through the seas. God looked at that little minuscule bit of creation that he did after he created the galaxies and all these things and rolled them off and he said that one that's the one I'm going to do I'm going to pour my love out on them and they're going to mess up I'm going to show you how pitiful they are they're going to mess up totally and I'm still going to go and pour my love out on them and give myself for them to die and where do we fit in the scheme of things? The angels are higher than us. There is a whole entire set of creation that's mentioned throughout the Bible, but is not mentioned when they're created. Okay? We know they've been there from the earliest times of mankind. There is a, a series of creatures, I'll call them, that seem to be other-dimensional. And done whole series on uh, angels and demons. Because there's a lot in the Bible about them. They can come to this earth. And yet it seems like they don't live here. They can travel. They're not bound by space and time. Could they go to the farthest end of a galaxy? Probably. How much time does it take? They're not bound by time. Time is irrelevant. They don't live by it. They don't say, oh, it's going to take me six hours to get there. They're not by my space. And so they can pass in and out of this dimension. And we call it a dimension because that's otherworldly. So are there creatures, strange ones that exist? Absolutely. Ezekiel talks about what? A wheel within a wheel, his angels, a wheel within a wheel, right? And they're on fire, and they turn these ways and that way. He talks about other creatures with six wings. He talks about other creatures filled with eyes. Okay? 
he talks about many different types of creatures that we know exist only from the Bible. So are there other world, other beyond the world creatures? Yes. Are there other creatures in space? Well, the, the, the short answer is, sure, God could create them. But God does everything for a purpose. Okay? He created the angels as servants. But they didn't get treated the same as us. And that was okay, because God treated them righteously. Some of them failed, some of them turned from God, and He condemned them. That was it. We failed and turned from God, and He redeemed us and bought us back. But there are creatures out there. So when people say, well, you know, aliens come to Earth and do this, and I saw something strange, is it possible some people saw strange things? Absolutely. Is it possible they're spaceships from another place? Maybe. I don't know. Could God create a whole entire other universe beyond this? God's not bound by this. But what was God's purpose, it said in Isaiah, for creating the universe? He at least used the creation of the universe as an example to say, I do things for my glory. To show other people what this is. Could there be other life beings out there in there? And could that show God's glory? Yeah, it could. It's not impossible. Will we ever see them and ever know? Uh, if we don't ever see them and ever know, then they exist in a totally other place, then I guess it doesn't really matter to us. But if we do see them and do know, uh, then I guess it was done for the glory of God. Why were the planets created? For the glory of God. For mankind to look and say, something is much larger. And this being, we can, we can create telescopes and we can measure things with light and we can do all the things and try to build all our knowledge base up, cumulative knowledge of all the humans that have ever lived, try to put it all together. And what do we find out? Oh, it's so big we can't even get there. We're going to keep trying, but it's so big we can't even get there. In fact, couldn't get to the next galaxy if I wanted, much less 10 galaxies beyond, or 100 galaxies, and God just went one day, there it is. And it's to point us to Him. Could aliens point us to Him? Sure. If He chose it to be. Could He have created the entire universe for us to get the message? Maybe. That's a loving God. He never created anything boring. Walk outside and you look and you say, why is there a cardinal and a house finch and a bald eagle and a barred owl? And why is there uh, a parrot? Did we need all those birds? Do we have to have a different set of uh, type of birds? No, but God created the variety within and said, enjoy this. See that I'm capable of anything. 
I can set this into motion and it'll go on and on and on until the day I say, okay, that's the last day. And on that last day, all of the humans had the opportunity to see the light, which was the very first thing he created, right? The very, on the first day, he says, we're not gonna have darkness, we're gonna have light. I am bringing about reference and truth for these people. So, is there aliens? Maybe. <clears throat> Maybe not. Either way, it's created for God's glory if there is. Okay? Personally, probably not. But if there was, I wouldn't say, well, I was so wrong and I'm going to change all my thoughts. All I'm going to say is, it must be for God's purpose somehow. Are there other beings? Absolutely. Angelic, some fallen angelic beings as well out there. And they are much more powerful and typically much more bright. But God still put us just a little lower than those angels in the whole scheme of creation. An amazing thing, incredible thing. God does all this, creates this entire set, and we get just through to the fifth day. On the sixth day, of course, he creates animals, and we've talked about that species, right, and the genes happening there. But then mankind comes in, and he creates it, I think, for us to see. Because he knows we're going to fall. And so he creates and does everything big to say, come back to me. Come back to me. Every step you take, I'll be in that creation. Uh, you'll be among the birds. You'll be among the trees. You'll be among the, the animals. You'll see, you'll see it in the sun. You'll see it in the moons. You'll see it in the seasons. I'm there. Just come back to me. So God creates it in this perfect start. And even that perfect start, when it has these huge cataclysmic things that happen and change the world, creation still survives it because he knows it needs to be. So he makes enough uh, stability to survive his entire plan, which is an amazing thing. Thank you very much. We'll continue on next week.